0: It comes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns, just turns to dust. dust. Like eye contact with a strangers stranger in rather credit. it's a dream that yet to be real. The passing note of the song, the glimmer, the shift, the ship see. You think you saw it, you did think you see it, see it. Okay. Are we ready for those shores are, are we ready for the
1: shores <laughs> i think so we might we have to clink our glasses okay first. Just clink to the shores
0: <laughs> to the shores here we go we're here oh yeah again today is thursday maybe that's part of the problem thursdays are weird thursdays are weird uh-huh we're, we're really kind of wednesday podcasters <laughs> <It's> <laughs> but you keep having kids with birthdays uh-huh. and you know other kinds of really shenanigans I've, I've thrown off pretty much
1: every uh podcast for the last month or half or so yeah why do you keep doing that stop God. doing that because i'm a jerk face <laughs> uh, oh maybe we'll start with like is anything inspiring you or anything that's like uh, Ooh, that's a good question kind of like uh tickling your ears or hmm. ruffling your
0: nose hairs because <laughs> we are over 40 now <laughs> <laughs> do have well, nose hairs yeah um that's a good question. What is inspiring me right now? The fact that I don't have an immediate answer for that kind of scares me. <laughs> That's true. I don't feel, do feel something. I don't feel particularly inspired right now.
1: Mm.
0: Life seems to be bothering me with its troubles mostly Yeah. these days. The last couple of weeks at least. Yeah, you've had to deal with some, some stuff. Yeah. So I'm trying to deal with it. Mm -hmm. the best to the best I can. Um, I've felt, hmm. I don't know. What about you? I'll, I'll pass it back to you. Pass it back to me. Yeah. Uh, I feel a little bit,
1: uh, complicated, confiscated, convoluted, uh, you know where you have two different things kind of collide and they're contrary to each other? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how I feel. Conflicted? <laughs> conflicted! <laughs> that's awesome. has uh, well, ever been my and That was today's segment of
0: Michael Can't Find the Word. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Next up is Michael in pop culture. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, so what, conflicted about where your attention goes? Yeah, it's 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 something that...
1: I've been trying to be better at focusing my attention on more specific things because I absolutely love just dabbling and, and kind of flying wherever my thoughts or ideas take me, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be business or just personal study. And it's been, I've got this thing written on my board right now it, where it says uh stay the course. And underneath it it says one year, three years, five years. Mm. And so the reason why I wrote it up there was just to make to to help me better think of, you know, what's the long term and I need to stay the course for with those long term goals. Yeah. And, you know, some of it was just, you know, business wise trying to sort of help make the things I already have flourish and not chase new things. Uh, <laughs> that's really hard. Cause you know, when you first start off in business, it's like, you have like zero opportunities, right? <laughs> you, you have to make opportunities. Mm, and yeah. then, you know, I'm at some six, point you have to start saying no. Yeah. So I'm 16 years into it and you have to start saying no. And, uh, I felt like I was doing a good job of it up until probably about last month or so. And, <clears throat> But at the same time, that's also one of my, my strengths is being able to figure out how to think, how things work, how they could work and making that happen. And I've done that and have had success with it. And I've also done that and had, you know, quite a few failures too. And so, you know, part of me wanted to focus on making the things that I already have more successful but it's also not my skill set, not my gift, you know? Mm. It's it's not that you can't work on that stuff, but I really love developing new ideas. Like yeah. that's like whether it be business wise or uh personal study, you know. Yeah. So I think that's been a really kind of challenging because I'm not sure really whether I'm whether I'm trying to do something I shouldn't. Or whether, no, by not doing something, I'm not doing something that I should. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense to me. You know, it's like, <clears throat> it's like you're really good at hockey and, you know, it's like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to try to be better at basketball. So I'm going to play basketball. am mm-hmm. like, well, no, no, you're really good you at hockey. Just, yeah. just, just play hockey. <clears throat> <laughs> and so like developing ideas and and the entrepreneur side of me is more of my strength and, you know the daily running of a company like that's not i would not say i can do that but it's not my strength mm. so it's like hiring people that are good at those things is kind of where
0: i'm i'm at or yeah. i've been in, in business now mm. you know it reminds me of <clears throat> michael jordan taking that stint in uh mm-hmm. baseball mm-hmm. and everybody's like that's not your thing <laughs> And then he's actually pretty good at it. Yeah. But it's, it did seem like, like when I watched that, you know, I remember that happening in real time, but I was too young maybe, or wasn't paying attention to sports. But when I watched that documentary, the, the last mm. dance, <clears throat> it really did seem like he had a singular focus for so long mm. and, and he just needed to try something else. Yeah. Whereas I think, a thing that I tend to lament is I, maybe kind of like you, my focus isn't ever singular enough mm. to really make something successful.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like Tom Petty is one of my favorite artists. Mm-hmm. And there's a great like four hour documentary about him that came out probably around 2010 or something. And in that documentary, his guitar player, Mike Campbell is say says, <clears throat> you know, we're all just really thankful that this worked out because we don't know how to do anything else. Mm. Um, So he was like, so we'd just all be poor if this didn't work out, (laughs) but instead we're, you know, rich and famous. Mm -hmm. And I kind of lamented that for myself. Like I'm pretty good at music, but I'm pretty good at business. I mean, I'm kind of pretty good at everything that I try to do, Mm -hmm. but I'm never like standout. Good. Yeah. You know, I'm a generalist, which means you're a high functioning generalist. I'm a high functioning (laughs) generalist. (laughs) Well, but yeah. Okay. I'll accept that. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the things that I've done have been exceptional. S- well, <laughs> thank you. <You're> welcome. <laughs> <laughs> They've been successful, but nothing's ever sort of broken out, mm-hmm. you know, into the, the level of ex- of success that we all kind of dream of. Like mm-hmm. when you're, you're young and you're dreaming of being a musician, you're like, I'm going to play stadiums and, you know, going to be on top 40 radio and, yeah. you know, never even gotten close to that. Um, or in business you think, Oh, it's going to be a uniform business. It's going to be worth, you know, $4 billion, mm-hmm. you know, and I've had some successful businesses, meaning they made money instead of lost money. Yeah. But, you know, I think <laughs> the most profitable business I ever made, I think made $40,000 a year, mm-hmm. you know, that's not nothing, yeah. but it's not enough to live off of mm-hmm. either. So it ended up having to, to be put to pasture eventually. hmm yeah, so I saw my director of retail operations
1: this week. I was, I was like, "Hey, can I just talk something out with you real quick?" <laughs> and as is it was, it was more of a metaphor, but uh, so in the metaphor, I'm using sort of the uh, break even, like in business, whenever your you know, your expenses and your revenue uh, equal out to zero, and you know, it's like you're not losing money, you're not making money, but the business can actually continue. Uh, but that no one ever lives in sort of that uh uh perfect world of you know that balance of <laughs> expenses and revenue <laughs> yeah equaling zero and so like you're always kind of going ten up or ten below and so you know in the analogy of this is sort of like one month you might be 10 up 10 dollars up and the next month you might 10 dollars down mm. and but over the year you look at it's like oh well it's just over the zero. year it's break even yeah break yeah, even right Uh, you know, and and I was just telling him, I was like, yeah, it's like, sometimes I just feel like I'm kind of in this sort of break even space.
0: You just stuck there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I really want to be like at plus 20. Mm -hmm. And so, and then my plus 20 is more of my, is my, is my break even Mm -hmm. or my, my baseline. So that whenever I go 10 points down, I'm still up. Yeah. If I go 10 points up, I'm, I'm, you know, still up. It's, it's, but you're, you have this place where you can function and you can take risks in a way that you couldn't do at the, at the true even space. Yeah. Uh, so that's just something that it just kind of was coming to me as I was talking to him. It was like, that's kind of where I got. What'd, What'd he, he say about it? Uh, he He's just really nice to me and listens to me. So. <laughs> he's like, well, you're paying me to be here. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. No, he's great. He's a good listener. He's a good people person. Hmm. Uh, I, I really, I really admire that about him. Like he's got that. Uh, ability to sort of connect with people that I, I feel like I don't, I can connect one-on-one with people really well and maybe in group, you know, small groups and stuff, mm-hmm. but a sustained long connection in groups is
0: <laughs> not your <laughs>
1: tiresome. <thing. laughs> yeah. No, I just, you know, I had a conversation with a guy today too, about just, you know, as you get older, you start to see the things that you're, you're good at and the things that you're not so good at. And, you know, I, I just, you know, the way that I've, the way that I communicate is not always super great, you know, as far as, you know, with investors or, um, with my team, like, you know, I've always had, I feel like I've always had somebody that I could depend on to like really communicate for me in a way that is,
0: is kind of what I mean rather than what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so it reminds me of the, the Barack Obama's anger translator. Uh, Do you remember that key and peel skit? Uh-uh. Oh, it's really funny. <laughs> what was it? It was like one of them played Barack Obama giving an address and the other one played sort of this like, like uh street bro kind of and translated everything into that kind of language. <laughs> That's awesome. So Barack Obama's anger could come out, you know, mm-hmm. cause he was, all, he's such a great orator. He yeah, was always so, coized. yeah, and very measured. <laughs> um, you know, and the, the anger translator would curse and <laughs> it was really funny. In some way, I think we all kind of need that. Mm-hmm. We all need, well, it's why we communicate Yeah. in some sense. We communicate to try to figure out, to like work out what it is that we think. Mm-hmm. And we're always doing that in a way that leaves us in, leaves us wanting, you know, mm-hmm. we don't ever quite get there, but when we do it with someone else and you respond to me, I see something about what I'm trying to say. And yeah, you know, so having someone around when you're trying to deliver a message to someone to contribute, to help steer that, mm-hmm. is a really good thing. Maybe that's why therapy is really good hmm. for couples. Yeah, yeah. When there's a lot on the line. Mm-hmm. Someone to help reflect and steer and guide the the mining expedition <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, totally. that goes on. You know, yeah.
1: Especially if they can do it well, you know, as far as like, getting to the,
0: the core of, of what is being communicated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's something I really enjoy doing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just love, I love the pursuit of ideas and I love the pursuit of truth and somehow doing that in a group setting, whether it's like sitting around a fire with a bunch of people talking Mm -hmm. A bunch, I would say, you know, probably four to six people is a good number or, you know, meeting with people work when you're working on something at your job or even talking through difficult ideas with close, close friends Mm -hmm. that there's always the, the promise of, of, I kind of wanted to say like a a eureka moment, but really what I want to say is, the promise of redemption. Hmm. Like if you think about whatever idea you're trying to pursue or express, you're doing it imperfectly and foolishly and you don't know what it is. And it's like, you're chipping away at it. You're picking away at it. You're mining for this thing. And when it goes well and everybody contributes to that, it's like a group activity. Mm -hmm. You're all working on the same thing. And then maybe suddenly it breaks through and you see it and it's something that was, it's almost like something is, it it gives birth Yeah. or something which was laid dormant has awoken. Mm -hmm. And that is something like redemption. Hmm. The thing that laid dormant has been redeemed and now it's here. Yeah. And that's such a, a wonderful thing to be a part of. Into behold,
1: well, it's, it's really fascinating. I mean, I think for me, it's easier to do that in smaller groups. Um, I have our time with larger groups in a sense, uh, just because I don't know. I, I sometimes don't know the the language to use. You know, as far as like, uh, or I get confused in the language to use, and and part of it is is you know, you and I have a lot of shorthand where I can just uh, say, you know, like in that Lex interview with Elon Musk and you're right. like, Oh, compute, compute, all that stuff. Yeah. And then we carry on with the conversation where if like you had no experience with that and I just kind of said something like that, then you, you take on your own, you don't like Lex or something like that. So right. therefore whatever Lex hmm. Lex's podcast is about is horrible, you know? And so like you don't compute that, but you go on but they have, that, they have a completely under, a different understanding of what that means. Or I mean, a more contentious character would be like Ben Shapiro. You know, it's like, yeah, listen to Ben Shapiro. Mm-hmm.
0: And all of a sudden, like, conservative, I, yeah, right-wing right. nut. You know, it's like... You I know, get like, that with Jordan Peterson a lot. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. When I mention him in conversation with people, mm-hmm. there's a visible, visible, vi- <laughs> visible shift in the, the tone. Mm-hmm. Audible. Yeah. That's why I, I mixed visual and audible
1: <laughs> could be visual. Awesome. Right, well, it's both.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, because people have their preconceptions mm-hmm. and I have mine, you know, yeah, yeah, totally. you know, my experience with him has been very different. I think than a lot of people's.
1: Yeah. You think about like, like AOC. I'm like, when people said something about, I'm like, Really, like you get something inspiring out of you her name? <laughs> yeah, you know it's like so it's a it's a preconceived notion I have it where it's like actually it might have been moving and touching for that person, right. and, and yeah. it's like I'm miss I'm completely missing the point because I got hung up on right on AOC, you know. Right. It's like and she's a person and she probably has some very inspiring things, you know. Hmm.
0: That seems like a necessary <clears throat> evil in some sense, hmm. like yeah. getting hung up on something because you see it differently than someone else, yeah. You know, because I was thinking, well, should you try not to get hung up on th- those things? Yeah. You know, maybe not because maybe what, maybe the process of group discovery requires each person's individual perspective, mm-hmm. which includes when they're combined, that's when the hang up comes, mm-hmm. you know? So if you don't get hung up, then you delude your individual perspective and the group activity isn't quite as good Hmm. so maybe it the better remedy is when you see someone else getting hung up you try as hard as you can to relieve that hang-up like oh wow you just had what's your experience with jordan peterson like Mm -hmm. or aoc because that seemed like a real uh Speed bump in the conversation. Let's talk about that. Let's let's hang there for a minute. Yeah. Well, I
1: I I think that's part is like if you pick it up soon enough, like that that can work. You know, I think in in business, and sometimes when I explain things to my staff, and I use more accounting or uh like business jargon, you know, it's like sometimes I've, I've had reactions to like you know like oh well you're all about making money you know, that kind of reaction. Mm -hmm. And it's Mm -hmm. like, no, like a business has to have, make more money than it's spending in order to stay in business, you know? Yeah. And so I'm kind of making the assumption that we all understand that. Right. And, but there is sort of like this sort of anti, uh, business or capitalist. you know, it's like, you're just, you're taking advantage of people, you Mm -hmm. know, there's that kind of attitude or feeling sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so, So, so you're, you're always kind of like trying to figure out where to enter into that kind of conversation. It's like, here's something that, you know, it's like, Hey, we need to sell more beans. It's like, some of you might come across, Oh, you just want to make more money. It's like, no, (laughs) like, well, we'd love to be able to afford a salesperson or, you know, these other things that would help us in our business for all of us to do our job better, you know? And, and obviously as a business owner, who's taking risk and spent 16 years on it, I was like yes and also I do want to make money you know it's like that's a part of it you know um, so I think that's I think those, those are very hard fields to sort of navigate is knowing your audience and being able to speak in such a way that helps communicate more exactly what you're trying to say hmm. I think that's just I think that's really hard to do say that last part again I don't remember what I said. Oh, okay. (laughs) No, just trying to communicate, you know, communicate something in a way that, you know, we we all understand each other and that you're not missing.
0: And so it's interesting as you were talking, I was trying to look up this quote from Rick Rubin. Um, He said something like, do you want your idea to win or do you want the work to be good? He's talking about collaborative processes what's more important to you mm. because, and he talks about this. There's an excellent interview with him on Joe Rogan somewhat recently. Um, this is Rick Rubin, the very famous record producer who's done everything from red hot chili peppers to Jay-Z to Tom Petty to Johnny Cash's final few records that had his cover of the nine inch nails song hurt on it. Mm. Um, but it's interesting. I, I pulled up his Twitter and he's only got, One tweet. I guess he quote, he tweets these quotes and then deletes them. Um, but the one that's up right now seems to be close to what you were just saying. He said, when it comes to making creative decisions, knowing less, having little information is often better than knowing more. It's a way of staying unattached. Interesting. Which may be another way to say that is it's, it's to be childlike. Hmm to remain in a state of discovery rather than a state of, um, well, I know this to be true, so I'm going to stand hard on it. Yeah. You know,
1: I think that's a hard line to walk because, you know, there's a part of, and again, I think this is the, the difficult part that I have, you know, with, with being in the service industry, like you do have, uh, basically a new set of people every five years, you know, two to five years for the most part. And so there's certain things you've tried multiple times. And, you know, when someone brings that idea up, you don't want to be like, eh, we've already done that three times and failed. <laughs> you, know, you know, like, let's move on, you know? yeah. And you kind of have to let people kind of work things out. And sometimes you let people try, Oh, well, maybe, maybe mm-hmm. it'll work this time. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, and so I think there's that sort of, because I, I do get it. Because what you're saying, I think, is is really good. But there's also that part of like, you know, a Steve Jobs or somebody knows what they want, the end product of of what the the thing is to be. You know,
0: yeah.
1: But there, it's not that there's not collaboration along the way. Yeah. But you, you do see in some of the great entrepreneurs, it's like they have a clear vision and they're almost willing to to push through a lot of the noise in order to get to that place. Yeah. And I think sort of like the negative aspect does. it, sometimes it leaves a lot of collateral damage totally. along the way. Yeah. And that's where sort of the negative aspect of that, but, and maybe as, as, as entrepreneurs get older and wiser, they're able to do that in a way that's a lot less destructive hmm. or mm-hmm. I would imagine anyways, Yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, right?
0: hopefully. Yeah. Um, Well, that's such an interesting point about like your business cycling staff through every two to five years and you're having to revisit ideas that you know have failed multiple times in the past. And that is hard because people really do need to learn things for themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, I was trying to think of a good example of this. I feel like I had one in my head recently, but this idea that you think you know something, but then once you experience it, you realize, oh, I really had no idea, mm-hmm. you know, which is why we travel and, and not just like read books, Yeah, whatever reality is, it's too infinite to contain in an abstract set of words and pixels and photographs, mm-hmm. even videos, you know? Yeah. Like, I think that's really interesting. Like one of the learnings, I think, from the George Floyd thing. I remember back at that time, people were commenting, saying, we live in a panopticon now where like everything is on video and every incident we have multiple camera angles of. And so we know what the truth is. Mm. But then it turns out you watch every camera angle and you don't know what the truth is. Mm -hmm. You know, It's not enough to capture what's true. And so whatever you can tell someone about something you can explain something ad nauseum you can mm-hmm. you know do an, a brilliant job of explaining something yeah. they're still going to have to go experience it for themselves to know mm-hmm. you know and then maybe once they experience it they come back and they're like you explained that so well <laughs> but i would have no way of knowing uh, unless i experienced what the thing you were talking about was yeah like i always feel that way when we like we go out every year to West Texas, which Mm. we have not done this year. It looks like we're going to miss it, but Mm -hmm. going out there is I've been out there so many times, but I'm always reminded of how there's, there are ways that people live and environments in which they live that change the way that you think about things. Yeah. And you know, you're in the city for a year or whatever, and you totally forget that Mm -hmm. you have to go re-experience it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It totally makes sense with, I like that about the West Texas thing specifically, because just being in Texas in general, if you go outside of the cities, you experience people in a different way that city people aren't accustomed to, you know? Yeah. Like even whether it be hunting culture or, you know, gun ownership in general, or, you know, people who have a, a, a tie to the land and understand the seasonality and the hardships and, um, you know, that may not live in the concrete jungle of, you know, <laughs>
0: right. Of, of what do you call it? The ex, urban, ex, yeah, the urban environment. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I mean, this is one of the reasons that I just like totally believe that the concept of Neuralink hmm. won't work. Oh, interesting. How Like, specifically, uh, the idea that you could transfer like matrix style, like Mm. download jujitsu into your brain. Mm -hmm. I don't think it'll work because it's not based in information. It's based in experience. Yeah. And that's a different thing. Mm. I mean, it is, you could argue it's a kind of information, Mm -hmm. but it's a, it's an embodied kind of information that has to be experienced to be known. You can't, and there's no shortcut to experience.
1: We even see that in the matrix where, um, you know neo learns kung fu and and uh Mar uh morpheus takes him into the la- into the land of the kung fu place you know mm. and into the land of the kung fu place <laughs> into like the the the, the uh, adjacent matrix or <laughs> whatever it's called it's <laughs> called the construct construct yeah there you, go. <laughs> <laughs> you know and and keanu reeves is sitting there breathing like oh is that air you're breathing you're like oh you know, yeah. he thought he knew something. There's still things that he doesn't know. He's still, Yeah, yeah but there, there might be ways that with the Neuralink thing that you can maybe provide a certain like growth in an area, but you still need the, the like you even see that with Neo throughout his entire experience of like as he's having that bodily or, you know, matrix experience you see him grow as a character in his mm-hmm. understanding of how things work. Yeah. You might know stuff, but then the ex- bodily experience of it is completely different. You know? Right. Um, yeah. It's like you have, yeah, 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 it's like you can't, you can't prepare
0: yourself for marriage or kids or also well, try this, this example on okay. for size, like having grown up practicing music a lot. Mm-hmm. So when I was quite young and I started piano lessons, my teachers would always try to it's like okay sit this way sit up straight you sit at the piano this way you hold your hands that such as such mm-hmm. it should feel like your fingers are resting very lightly on the keys and there's an egg between your palm and the keys and you're going to not break it you know mm-hmm. okay there's information for you and what do i do that doesn't feel good I, this is what yeah. feels good uh-huh. you know You're asking me to play in a way that doesn't feel good. And you think they're stupid too. Right. Like, Like why are you, you're Mm -hmm. just a tyrant just (laughs) demanding these arbitrary things of me, you Mm -hmm. know? And then it's like months and months and months. And she finally, it goes, lift your hands up and you do it. And you're like, and it unlocks. And it's like, you can play the thing that you've been working forever on. And it's Mm -hmm. like, why didn't you tell me earlier? You know? So there's that thing about experience it's like mm. you can have the information that doesn't mean that you're going to value the information yeah doesn't mean you're going to know how to deploy it mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you're going to want to do any of that I mean part of yeah. part of value and desire comes from understanding mm. and understanding is more on the experience side of things than it is on the the quantifiable mm. abstract side of things. yeah so I feel like you know you could you could download instantaneously into my head all of the pedagogy of, um, you know, in um, wisdom of, like, a great piano teacher. hmm <laughs> You know, I could also give you... Um, <laughs> what's a good example? I don't know. A very strong... It's like, information, is it a tool or is it a weapon? Is a weapon a tool? I mean, you don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Because you don't have experience with it, mm. which I think is an interesting thing about the gun debate in this, in this country, mm. is that most people that are anti-gun have no experience with guns. Mm. So you think of it as a dangerous weapon, mm. which it is. But mm-hmm. people who have experience with guns also, from that experience, develop a respect and develop a, a sense of seriousness and safety mm-hmm. um, and personal sovereignty that's yep. really good for them. <clears throat> but the, the the experience is required. Yeah. You yeah. can't just explain that to someone and someone's like, oh, okay, yeah. No, now I have that too because you explained it to me. <laughs> no, you have to go hold the thing. You have to feel the fear. Totally. You have to feel the power.
1: I feel like I saw that whenever I, I took a my two oldest uh, dove hunting, I took them twice, two or three times. And the first time, you know, you did see them sort of like, okay, I'm holding a real gun here and it, it kills things, you know? Mm-hmm. And there was a sort of like hesitancy. and Like even when they would make a mistake, they would kind of realize they made a mistake and like the seriousness of that, you know, yeah. um, you know, if like they, tur- they turn the gun around and like start to, Pointed at somebody, you know you're like, no, 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 you're like, I mean, because I did that when I was a kid too, you know it's like it's but putting yourself in that position where you're you're though this is real danger, you know uh uh you know it's the same thing with opening a business or something like that, you know it's like it's really great to dream about it, and then like you know but then when you're actually responsible for people's lives, <laughs> you yeah. know, and you have debt or or investors or whatever it might be that are you accountable to it's like
0: didn't. I- <clears throat> I don't know if this is you or someone else, mm-hmm. but I know, you know, this story, but the idea that like, if somebody comes to you for advice about opening a business mm. and the response is if you want to open a business, you're not ready.
1: Yeah. No, it's a, uh, it's something like that. It's like uh, Hey, I want to open a coffee shop. Uh, I just tell people like, no, don't do it. And
0: it's like, if I can't
1: convince you not to open the coffee shop, oh, yeah. then you're ready. Then you're ready. If I can't talk
0: you out of it. Yeah. Well back to that, the gun thing. I mean, I had that same experience when I was, you know probably i don't know 9 or 10 the first mm-hmm. time i was i shot a gun i remember being out in the hill country and with my dad and a couple of uncles maybe mm-hmm. you know and i remember kind of turning mm-hmm. and all of a sudden four grown men screaming at me mm-hmm. and thinking none of these men have ever yelled at me in my entire life and all i did was shift the position of my body mm-hmm. you know and it's like this instant realization that it's it almost makes you think about yourself at a different uh, like, a different level of the fractal. Mm. <laughs> you know, like before the dangerous stuff I could do was like big and loud and reckless. And now, mm. wow, just a turn of my body. And that's super dangerous, more dangerous no, than anything else I've ever done. Mm. I have a lot of control mm-hmm. and also a lot of responsibility. And maybe I should take my movements more seriously in general in life. You yeah. know, it's like. I think it changes the way that you think about yourself, not just with a gun in your hands, but otherwise as well. Like you have a great deal of power Mm -hmm. and a great deal of, um, exercise that you can impose on the world and you should take that seriously.
1: Yeah. There's definitely, I think something you're kind of pointing out too is responsibility. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's like also whenever, you know, like our dads gave us a gun and kind of really like uh, gave us the response, like, like, hey, I am I think you're responsible enough to do this. And so mm-hmm. there's this trust that was in, in, given to us that, hey, this is hard or this is dangerous or whatever it might be, but I think you can handle this.
0: Yeah. It's like an invitation <clears throat> into becoming more.
1: <clears throat> yeah. And I think that's something that, you know, I think we also kind of run from in a sense is like responsibility in that way, because it actually is it is dangerous you are there's more at stake when you take on responsibility you know it's like whether it's getting married and having kids and it's all that stuff scary uh it's easier to not have responsibility but you also you also lack experience and you Mm. lack the uh engagement with the world in a in a more deeper and profound way if if you don't take on that responsibility if you don't learn to hold the gun right and to understand the power that you have and what you can actually inflict on the world, which is both amazing and also terrifying at Mm -hmm. the same time. Yeah.
0: That, that was a good point that you made about it's easier to not take responsibility, but then without responsibility, you also don't have any power. Mm Mm-hmm. And you can't engage in the act of creating well-being in the world. And so you just lessen yourself.
1: Well, there's definitely a call right now for people want power and influence without responsibility. Right. And I think that's the hard thing to, I mean, you see this with like, um, like especially people struggling with this on the, on the, uh, on the world stage, you know, you know of a Kanye West it's like you know he has a lot of influence and power and right now he's kind of off his rocker you know and it has a huge negative negative effect on people you know Um, uh, as far as like maybe people who believed in him and really liked him or you know maybe people that are like kind of like picking up on the rhetoric and and moving with it so it's like you you know you or you have And again, I think there's something that you kind of come to this, hopefully come to that realization and are more careful with how you move in the world, because it's like no matter what you do, you're going to, you're going to have an impact, both positive and negative. And, and, and some of that you don't have control over, but, and I think a lot of people, whenever they see the things that they don't have control over as they're moving in the world. And with that responsibility, they want to shy away because It's like, Oh my gosh, all these people hate me, (laughs) you know, but you're trying to do something good, but they don't like you. And, and it's, and you kind of put yourself out there to to be, uh, um, available to people's criticism, whether it's, it's deserving or not. So Hmm. that that makes sense. Yeah. I think, I don't think I said that very well.
0: Well, I, think, I, I think maybe the thing that went through my head as you were saying that is there's that, you know, what is it? It comes from Spider-Man with, with great power comes great responsibility, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but also the, the inverse is true with great responsibility comes great power. Mm-hmm. And you know, you kind of have to be ready for both. Yeah. And so you're maybe the moral of the Spider-Man story is like, well, you're not handling your responsibility very well. You got the power part, but you need to be responsible with it. And there's others who take on the responsibility, but don't handle the power that gives them very well. And they end up doing damage with it. (coughs) Yeah. You know, maybe it's, maybe that's the same thing. um, But maybe that's why. I don't know about the Kanye thing, but
1: yeah, that <laughs> maybe that's why that them. becomes
0: pathological, you know, if you're not careful. Yeah. I, mean, I don't think that was a, a super great
1: example. I mean, I do, I do see this one aspect of like, you know, you look on, I think Twitter's a really great example of this is, you know, there's a lot of truly inspiring people out there. But if you go look in their comments, there's also a lot of hate like, yeah. tossed at them. Right. And you could almost say like, Oh wow, look at all the negative impact you're having on the world by creating this hate. Hmm. Because if you weren't doing the things you were doing and saying the things that you were doing or saying, then that hate wouldn't be there. And so there's also something that kind of, I think comes with having responsibility and speaking into the world and taking action that you're going to also derive some criticism, both warranted and unwarranted. Hmm. And, You know, some people just, some people just criticize and, you know, they're not going to like anything that anybody does, you know? Right.
0: Um, Well, I think there's some, something of a fundamental truth to that observation, which is that for there to be responses to something requires that there be something to respond to and something worth responding to generally exists partly Part, partly behind the shroud of the, of the, of our understanding or of the unknown. Mm-hmm. It's like partly symbolic of things we don't know how to articulate yet. That's why it's worth us noticing it mm-hmm. and worth responding to it. And it makes perfect sense that, well, people are going to respond different ways, positively, negatively. It's like back mm-hmm. to the kind of the, 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 uh, group discovery of an idea. What is the idea? Well, we don't know. We're working on it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And you feel this way about it right now, and I feel this way about it right now. And, you know, eventually it will prove out, hopefully, to be most of us agree that it's good or most of us agree that it's bad. But as things emerge, you're going to get positive and negative responses to it.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Both warranted and
1: unwarranted. The thing like, you know, you and I, have we kind of like, you know, perused around the the world of different people that have, we've kind of been able to see come into their prominence. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and seeing them grow in there. I mean, I think Lex Friedman's a great example of that. You know, it's like his interview style over the last two years has just grown just in a profound way that I'm just so impressed with. You know, yeah. uh, but that was something he had to kind of come to. You know. Yeah and you know he he would react kind of negatively to some of the criticism that's kind of the shade thrown at him you know and like why are you doing that you know it's like mm. it's like you know a part of it's like sorry that's kind of because you're comes noticeable with it. yeah yeah, yeah. And, you're good enough to be
0: noticeable mhm
1: and it's like almost like uh like a parent with their kids it's like it's like you're the one who i'm going to i'm going to throw all my my anger and anxiety and anxiousness at because You're there and I can, Mm, mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, so you do, I think you do capture a lot of people's own issues and the things they're working through, but you're the, you're the symbol of those things that they're working through, you know? Yeah. I think a lot of public figures, uh, take on that symbol for people and, and they're not dealing with the person they're dealing with the idea of that person. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's like our kids, like, you know, you know, I know they, they they take on this idea that we are the tyrant. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like no, I'm your dad. Like I love you a lot. Like <laughs> you know, like uh, uh, but they have to have something to kind of like, and luckily, like for our kids, we've talked about this many times. But like we're safe for them to react to. You know, yeah. And I think sometimes public figures also kind of take on these sort of mother and father figures in some
0: respect. You know, huh? Yeah. I think I'm seeing something in a bit of a new way. Like if you choose to run for public office, you're choosing to be a target for people's voices. Mm-hmm. That's a part of that job. Yeah. <clears throat> Come, you know, it's like you didn't take that job for everybody to just tell you how great you are or mm-hmm. how great you're doing. Like the way it's supposed to be is you take that job to hear everyone's complaints mm-hmm. and that's, it's going to be hard. Yeah. Surely it does seem like, a lot of politicians these days are more interested in the fame mm-hmm. and the recognition and the platform than the job. Yeah. What well, it is, it's like, it's how we work
1: things out in the public forum is sort of people take on these symbolic representations. Now, whether they are in that symbol can be mean different things to some different <laughs> people. I mean, even like what we were talking about earlier is like AOC or, or Kanye or Ben Shapiro. It's like, there's a symbol that they take on in the public light and, you know, if you don't interact with those symbols like uh like a Jordan Peterson or something like that, you know, it's like and you get a uh a more well rounded view of them, then they kinda of stay that sort of symbol that is a part of whatever maybe group that you're a part of, you know. Right. It's like, you know, even the person you probably hate the most, they still probably go home and eat dinner and have relationships (laughs) with people, you know, it's like, yeah. And maybe other people actually really do like them and care about them, you know, hopefully, (laughs) hopefully, you know, it's like, it'd be really sad if that wasn't true, but I I have to, uh, I have to kind of believe that, you know, that. I hope that everyone
0: has someone that likes them. Uh huh. Totally. And everyone surely has someone who doesn't like them, Mm -hmm. you know, But I think we all want—we all want to be liked. We all want to be, of course,
1: (laughs) you know. (laughs) Maybe Donald Trump does not like he just wants to. No, he—he does. He wants. I think he more than anybody else probably does. Just he wants to be liked, you Mm know. And he just lashes out people that possibly might not like him, or yeah,
0: (laughs) he's kind of like a child in a sense. (laughs) (laughs) Very. (laughs) very Pay attention to me. Very amusing, (laughs) annoying child. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's. That's super fascinating. I was thinking about him today, actually. I was listening to um, some sort of like recaps of the midterm elections. And mm-hmm. there was this group of people on some podcast I was listening to talking about Trumpism and the effect that Trumpism played in this midterm and the, the way it will be affected. And I just momentarily kind of broke out mentally from that and thought, what would it be like if there was a term called McCloskeyism. Hmm. And it was derived from my behavior. Mm-hmm. or perceived behavior. Well, it's nobody else's behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it, it flows from me, mm-hmm. and people all over the country on podcasts and news networks are <laughs> analyzing it and talking <laughs> about it. Like, I don't know that hmm. I would be able to handle that. Interesting. Yeah. You know? Like what does that do to a person's well? I think psyche.
1: We see. We saw this with. I think Brett Weinstein was a perfect example of this. You know, and he he kind of says it this way: is like at first, whenever you kind of enter into that realm of sort of like you know McCloskey effect, you know or whatever <laughs> is is it's it kind of like throws you off. But then there's yeah. sort of like a normalization that you have, and you're able to kind of like differentiate yourself from how you're perceived versus like who you are and what you're doing, you know, but first you're kind of like wrapped up in the public perception of who you are. And I think the healthiest, healthier people are able to then kind of like a disattach, uh, uh, unattach themselves from that, public persona and like stay true to who they are. I think though it seems like those who have the hardest time with it is they actually try to be that persona that people right. think they are like, you know, like all of our newscasters like Chris Cuomo and you know, Don Lemon and you know, Tucker Carlson it's like there's a, there, there's this persona of them and if you'd ever, or Ben Shapiro is a great example of that too. It's like, you know, if you look at him on his daily show, you kind of see this, character character of Ben shapiro but then when you see him on lex friedman it's it's sort of like oh that's
0: a person right there you know mm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um it was the same with stephen colbert
1: hmm.
0: like when colbert had the colbert report <clears throat> i think that was his older show he was playing a character yeah i mean it, it was him but he was characterizing himself kind of and there was a whole th- character that he played on that show mm-hmm. and then when he broke away <clears throat> you kind of saw actual him and the difference wasn't Massive, but it was enough to be like, oh yeah, there's a real person with real, hmm. you know, nuance behind this. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know how this fits in, but I, I, I heard this just little clip from Jordan Peterson the other day talking about um, he said, and this really convicted me. He said, if you feel like you have something true to say the first thing that you have to do is detach yourself from the effects of what you're about to say. Hmm. Like detach yourself from the results of it. Because if you don't, you won't be able to say what you think is true. Interesting. You're going to edit it. Mm -hmm. You're going to, you won't be able to, because saying what you think to be true is not a statement of fact. It's more like, a chasing of some inspiration. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if you're worried about the effects of it, I mean, it's like, it's a similar, it's similar to the advice of like a, a, a songwriter and a common set of advice is Well, don't, or any artist for that matter, don't make art for other people. Hmm. Make, make the art that you think is good. Yeah. If you're making art and constantly wondering what people are going to think about it, it's never going to be as good as the art that you make that you think is good. Mm. So if you're going to say what you think to be true, you have to detach yourself from the effects of it mm-hmm. and say it. And that takes courage, mm. you know, and, and maybe that's <clears throat> for those that initially find themselves on a bigger platform than they were yesterday. Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh no, there's all these consequences now to what I say and yeah. these far reaching effects. And it goes outside of my, you know, the circle of people that I know, and now into this sea of people that I don't know. And Mm -hmm. I could see how that you would immediately try to start censoring yourself when Mm -hmm. the right thing to do would be to say, I'm going to say what I think to be true and let what happens happen. Mm -hmm. If what I think to be true is true. And I pursue that like righteously, Mm -hmm. then I have to trust that the effects of that are going to be good Mm -hmm. Because that's what the truth is. The truth is good. Yeah. And as it plays out, I also can't judge whether it's good or not. Because, you know, a lot of times what's good isn't immediately known. It's not like you say something true and everything's immediately transformed into something better. Sometimes Mm. there's a process that has to occur of like a shedding or a going through the fire of... Things have to change because Mm -hmm. of the truth, because of what's good. And as things change, things have to be left behind. Things have to be revalued and discarded or upheld. And that's a painful process. And Mm -hmm. it might appear to you to be only painful for the next 10 minutes, you know, and you could say, oh, this wasn't good, (laughs) (laughs) but you have to wait for it to unfold. And so you have to, you have to believe strongly and take seriously what you think to be true and then say it in a way that allows the effects of that to unfold Hmm. without you mucking about in it too much and fucking it up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, it's also like a, a, there's a discovery aspect of it that I I like kind of what you're, you know, it's like, as you speak into the world and and act in the world, there's a sort of like, there's feedback and you kind of discover like, what is the signal and what is the noise? You know, like someone telling you that something's not possible or that you're dumb or whatever. It's like, if you mistake that noise as for the signal, you know, then you get lost. And then you're trying to be something that everybody else is wanting you to be. But on the other side, too, is like if you say something and speak in, in to the world or act in the world and you get feedback and you don't course correct, you know, that could be disastrous also. Mm. Because like, like as you act in the world, like you do get feedback and sometimes it's not what you want to hear, but it's what you need. Yeah. And... So I think, I think those are the hard things to kind of work through, you know, uh, and, and, and sort of like, and, and especially not allow that that it does, it wouldn't keep you from keep, keeping you from acting in the world and speaking too, because it can be just kind of demoralizing whenever you, you step out and do that. And then the feedback is you're dumb, you know, it's like, okay, I'm not doing that again. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You see that with kids all the time, you know, it's like. I failed. I suck. I'm not going to do that again.
0: (laughs) It's like, no, get back out there. Negative feedback's hard. Mm -hmm. Hmm. The, the, the working out the signal and the noise, I think that is a group experiment Hmm. or group task because I, uh, sometimes you can say something to someone or actually let me reverse it. Someone can say something to you and what they're saying is signal, but how they're saying it is noise. So, like, the words you're saying are good. Mm-hmm. They're helpful. They make sense. They're revelatory. But you're angry, mm. and that anger is soaking into me. And it's, it's noise that's clouding the message. Yeah. But the reverse can be true, too, which in, in which what you're saying isn't all that helpful, but what you're looking at, mm. that you're saying something about, is evident by the way that you're saying it. And so it points me to see what you're talking about. And that can be revelatory, even though the words might be have been noise. That's interesting.
1: That's a really good point. I think that's, that kind of thing is really so hard to get to because especially the latter instance where someone's maybe speaking nonsense, but they're actually pointing to a, uh, a deeper, a deeper truth that they don't even know they're pointing at, you know? Right. It's like the world is unfair and it's your fault because you're the 1% Matt, (laughs) you know? And like, you're like, it's being tossed at you, but it's, but at the same time you're like, it's like, well, why do you feel that way? Like, there's gotta be a reason why you feel that way. And it could be maybe something I did personally, Affected you and caused you to be in harm's way or something like that. Right. You know, or it could be just, uh, it could be just saying something in general or that maybe there is a possibility that there's a, you know, not, there's a generalization of people not taking responsibility for, for their own actions and you're receiving that, you know, uh, that. Shade. <laughs> being thrown shade. at you. <laughs> I know. It's, it feel like I'm so cool when I say that to you. <laughs> that shade being thrown at you, man. And it's about, you're about 10 years late on that I one. I know. Yeah. I'm always 10 years late. <laughs> <laughs> but you're visibly excited about using the word, so I'm going to I'm gonna give it to you. Well, the great thing is, is like, is like, uh, you know, uh, never mind. I'll look at that. <laughs> My verbal skills are like ten years old, but my—I my, feel like I'm—I'm I'm further in the future, though. In your head, <laughs> in my head, yeah. <laughs> so that's where we come back to my communication problem. When mm. We're talking at the very beginning.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do you feel like when it comes to almost everything—people, friends, mm-hmm. family, lovers, children—and even culture, celebrities. Politicians, if there's any difference between the two these days, mm-hmm. I think we should take an, take effort and be careful to be forgiving of the noise and be interested in the signal. Mm. I mean, I think Trump is a really good example of that. Mm. There was signal there but there was a ton of noise yeah. and there were certain parts of the country that only saw the signal mm-hmm. and there was certain parts of the country that only saw the noise. Mm. And I think both parts needed to see both. Mm-hmm. And I think that's true in, in our sort of most atomistic relationships. You know, I, th- I think about having hard conversations with girlfriends in my life Mm -hmm. and that's a really easy place to get caught up in the noise and not see the signal Mm. because it's so rich in feeling you feel a lot like you feel really good and really loved but also really vulnerable Mm -hmm. and little things can feel like an attack and it can push out any any perception of signal yeah You know, and on the other side, you can think what I'm saying is pure signal and I'm passionate about it. You know, and all they're getting is noise because all they see is what they perceive to be, you know, anger on your face or Mm -hmm. um, impatience, annoyance, disgust. They don't hear the words. Well, I think Trump's a great example of this, you know,
1: like someone who again i think there's a, there's the signal and noise thing i think it's very amplified with him yeah because you do like when i look at different people's reaction to him you see that you know uh, but then i think about the person himself uh and i i just read an article earlier today about candace owens really fascinating like she kind of is distancing herself from trump so it seems you know and she was a very she was a very high supporter of him and you know uh even even in uh but also calling out some of the things that she she disliked through that but um it's like when you we when, when you stop listening, I think that's whenever you you get more erratic and and you stop making sense, even the signal you might have represented or or carried starts to become noise even to those who understand or maybe saw the signal that you did have, you know, Mm -hmm. I think that's, and, and using this example, because Candace was a supporter of, of Trump. Uh, like I would say that she's one who saw Trump in the signal that he was carrying and was able to kind of look past some of the noise part. Yeah. And for her now the noise is becoming louder and the signals becoming less. Hmm. And, I think that's a danger that we all kind of face in a sense is that if we don't hone in on the signal, then the noise will take over. And I think that's part of, that's kind of a part of life where, you know, you have friends that kind of help you. It's like, Hey dude, you're off. You're like, shit, really? Like, how am I off? You know? Hmm. And they help you kind of like amplify your signal again, you know? And I think that's something that we always need people around us that can help us, you know, Cause I think that's our friends and the people that we surround ourselves with will help that. I think hone that signal aspect of what we carry Mm -hmm. and that we can maybe lose more and more noise as we, as we move forward in life, you know?
0: Yeah. I think that's the whole beautiful thing about conversation Mm. and the, the group discovery of things Mm -hmm. as we do. We help each other hone in on signal Mm -hmm. and identify noise A lot of times you don't know which is which when you're encountering something new or working on something new. You know, what belongs and what doesn't? What's revelatory and what's uh, obfuscating? You don't know. And you need other people to help you see it.
1: Do you think people who have never heard that signal and noise thing would understand what we're talking about? (laughs) I was just thinking about that. Like, I think you and I have kind of yeah. going back to the first of our conversation is like, you know, we're using a term mm-hmm. that, uh, that you and I kind of just like, Oh yeah. Signal noise. You know? <laughs> I mean, I'm taking for granted that mm-hmm. our
0: listeners do know what we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I could be wrong. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I mean, I'm trying to think of a good way. I know. <laughs> How do I, I explain doing- <laughs> this to someone who's never heard of it? I don't know. Maybe the important thing to say is that every signal contains noise. Mm -hmm. Whether you're talking about uh, a radio signal, you know that it contains noise. Like, I guess it's not this way anymore with digital radio, but we all grew up with the dial on the car, and you know you Mm got to like tweak the thing to get to get rid of the noise and hone into the signal. Mm -hmm. Because outside of the signal is a bunch of white noise mm-hmm. that's the analogy yeah and when you're trying to explain something or pursue something there's going to be a bunch of noise a bunch of distortions yeah i mean i think about like when i took well this is a good example mm-hmm. i just said like oh that's noise mm. whatever it is that i was trying to say i didn't need that word mm. and so we're always including a bunch of things that don't need to be there in our pursuit of saying what we want to say, hmm. communicating what we want to communicate. Yeah. You see that with kids, you know, they're,
1: <laughs> <laughs> they, they start out and they just say a bunch of stuff until they start to kind of hone totally. in on like, yeah. Oh, whenever I say this, this happens like I want more food. Mm-hmm. Oh, I understand that. Instead of, ah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. I mean, that's what it means to become articulate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is to improve your ability to express yourself. Mm. And there are those who become masters at it. Like we were talking about T.S. Eliot tonight. Mm. T.S. Eliot is a master. There is so little noise <laughs> in the way that he writes every word seems powerful, Mm -hmm. you know, even the ands and Mm thus, it doesn't seem like you could remove a, if if you removed a word, you would diminish its power.
1: Mm. I love like how, so in the four quartets, there's certain themes that are played throughout the whole thing. Like he'll talk about the garden and the children laughing in the garden and it's a theme that he kind of brings in throughout the whole thing. And mm-hmm. I just love that he, he, he doesn't do it for no reason at all. Like for, uh, uh, you know, oh, I need a word that rhymes or something like that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, that, that pers- precision is just so admirable. I mean, Shakespeare is another one. Mm. Like we will never as a culture or community or set of academics, or I don't know, mm. you know, like, us meaning humanity will will never tire of analyzing his plays Mm. because there's so much signal we don't know what to do with it yeah you know
1: well i would say the same thing about you know the bible too i mean there's so much in that I've, Mm. i've yeah i've been reading that daily for 20 years or something like that and i never grow tired of it you know um uh, TSL, it's the same way. I've got, I carry his book with me like everywhere I go. <laughs> you know, uh, I've got it on my screen. Yeah, just because like I can just look at it and just be like, damn. You just get another layer, another layer, another layer. That yeah, it's like I would love to be able to write like whatever that. he's communicating. You haven't gotten it yet. Mm-hmm. No, no, that's the truth. Yeah, I love that. But you can always see that. I mean, again uh, reading all the great classics like Les Mis, you know, or war and peace. Like there's a reason why they're classics is because there's something these people spent profound amount of time like, yeah. writing and thinking
0: and exercising that gift of mm. <laughs> communication. <laughs> well, so we started the conversation tonight. You asked me what was inspiring me. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't have an answer. Oh, do, but yeah. I do now. <laughs> all right. That is inspiring to me. Hmm. I want to become more articulate. Hmm. I want, because I, we all do. I have thoughts. Mm -hmm. You do too. Everyone listening has thoughts. Hmm. And most of them are unknown to you. Many of them are inaccessible to you. And this goes back to that, that quote that I never can place with anyone. But the quote is, language is the barrier to all knowledge we have all of these thoughts we have things to say we sense the truth and yet we don't know how what to do with it yeah. we don't know how to say it and so we get together and we you know we share beers we build fires we make meals and we talk and sometimes we get a revelation sometimes something's redeemed all of it's hidden behind our ability to express and to articulate and those who do it well inspire us because they blow our minds hmm. and we want to hear what they have to say over and over and over again, and I want to get better at that yeah i want that I want to improve myself in that way, and that is that is inspiring to me i would I would throw this
1: out here this okay. is this is such. So this is from T.S. Eliot, and Matt and I have talked about this one a lot, but trying to, trying to learn to use words in every attempt is wholly a new start, and a different kind of failure, because one has only learned to get the better of the words for the one thing for the thing one no longer has to say, or in the way in which one is no longer disposed to say it. So each venture is a new beginning, arrayed on the inarticulate. With shabby equipment always deteriorating, and the general mess of imprecision of feeling, undiscipled squads of emotion, and what there is to conquer by strength and submission has already been discovered once or twice or several times by men whom we cannot hope to emulate. But there is no competition. There is only the fight to recover what has been lost and found and lost again and again, and now under conditions that seem unpropitious. But perhaps neither gain nor loss. For us, there's only the trying. The rest is not our business. I it's love
0: that. <laughs> East Cocker, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. One of the best things that's ever been written.
1: It really is. It's it's fantastic. It's like movement four and
0: East Cocker. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, before you read that, I was gonna read something else, but I hmm. now I don't know if I want read to it. follow T. S. Elliot. <laughs> <You got laughs> but it. I already have the book in my hand. So it. do it. Um Show them up. <laughs> okay. Our thoughts are like undercurrents. We feel their pull and their power. And so we fear them and we don't explore them because we don't want to drown. And it takes a tremendous energy to swim in those waters. So we opt to stay on the shores as inarticulate and willfully blind as that may be. I want to be strong enough to swim and curious enough to try. Maybe that's a good definition of courage. Hmm. Strength plus curiosity. I like that. And you said shores. And I said shores. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The theme runs deep. Uh, it does, yeah. doesn't it? All <laughs> yeah. right. Love you guys. Love you all. Thanks. Thanks for being here with us. For sure. Cheers. Cheers, Go read some T.S. Eliot. There you <laughs> <laughs> oh, there it is. <laughs>